Module 3, Lesson 7. Summary. Well done on completing this third module and hopefully all the pieces of the eating addiction puzzle are starting to fall into place. Now it's time to summarise everything we've learned so far. Sugar is a perfectly naturally occurring substance and not the poison we are being told it is. Find any plant on this planet and you will find it producing sugar completely naturally and using that sugar for fuel. Sugar is, quite simply, fuel for plants. Animals eat those plants and in doing so they ingest that sugar which they can use for fuel too. And so, the issue has never been sugar. The issue is eating too much sugar beyond the movement needs of the animal. An active monkey swinging through the jungle requires a lot of sugar to fuel all that movement. A sedentary monkey confined to a zoo requires a lot less sugar because it has far lower levels of movement. Therefore, when the monkey in the zoo develops obesity or type 2 diabetes, it isn't the sugar that has caused the disease in that monkey, it is the inactivity that has caused the disease in that monkey. Active monkeys and humans can ingest huge amounts of sugar without issue. Now that we understand that sugar isn't poison, but rather a naturally occurring substance, the next question we explored was, is sugar addictive? The short answer is no, sugar is not addictive. However, when we process foods, refining the sugars in foods and even adding refined sugars to foods, it increases the palatability of those foods. And as the palatability of food increases, our potential to become addicted to eating those foods increases too. So the natural sugars contained in whole foods aren't very addictive at all. But the more processed sugars contained in more processed foods are a lot more addictive, especially when those processed foods have been engineered by the food industry to be hyperpalatable. To really understand how so many millions of people have become addicted to eating highly palatable foods in the modern world, you have to go back to the ancient world of our ancestors. In an ancient environment where our ancestors had to hunt and gather their food, there was no information or labelling to tell us the nutritional content of a food. Therefore, we evolved our senses to help provide us with information about the things we foraged. If we picked up a piece of shit, our nose would provide us with information by sensing particles of that shit, relaying that information to our brain that would then know that this is something nutritionally devoid and to be discarded. However, if we picked up a piece of fruit, it would pass the nose test be tasted and the palatable flavours and sugar would be information to our brain that this is highly nutritious and worth eating. If our hunter-gatherer ancestor was in a food-restricted state, like a famine and at high risk of starvation, the brain would sense the flavours and the sugar within that fruit and trigger overeating behaviour. Modern humans 
in a time machine might observe this overeating behaviour in the hunter-gatherer as binge eating or eating addiction. But the reality is that this behaviour is survival eating, taking in an excess of sugar to compensate for the restriction and protect the hunter-gatherer from the risk of starvation. Fast forward to today, and the modern world is rife with food restriction in the form of dieting. Our ancient brains can't tell the difference between a diet or a famine, so it has the exact same response as it would have done 10,000 years ago. That is, when it senses highly palatable foods, and in particular, highly palatable foods that contain life-saving sugar, it triggers a binge to protect us from starvation. The dieter who falls off track and binges isn't doing so because she is greedy, but because she is starving. And binge eating slash eating addiction is a natural defense mechanism against starvation. For dieters who are trapped in the cycle of binge eating and eating addiction, there are three stages where you can break the cycle. Number one, you can raise your self-esteem. Number two, you can raise your calorie intake. Number three, you can control highly palatable foods. For many of you, the first stage is going to be key. Finding the source of your low self-esteem and healing the inner wounds that create your low self-esteem is vital to prevent you from relapsing into dieting and restriction. This requires a lot of deeper work and where possible, expert psychotherapeutic support from a trained professional like Brigine. The second and third stages, raising your calorie intake and controlling your intake of highly palatable foods, is a long, slow process of learning how to swim. And by learning how to swim, I mean learning how to plan your nutrition confidently and flexibly. Just as a confident swimmer who needs to swim a long distance can switch between a fast front crawl and a middling breaststroke and a laid-back lilo stroke when needing to rest and recover, rebels need to learn how to switch between more controlled eating, moderately controlled eating and less controlled eating when they need to rest and recover too. Right now, you will have spent many years clinging to the boy that is dieting. But now we're asking you to dive in and start learning how to swim with a growth mindset. An acceptance that it's going to feel uncomfortable and challenging at first. But the more you practice, mess it up and get it wrong, the more you learn and the more confident you get. Watching Flo swim for the first time, she gulped a lot of water and spluttered a lot. But a couple of years later, and she can confidently swim and switch between different strokes without even thinking about it. That's the goal for you nutritionally, maybe a year or two from now. And when you achieve that, you achieve food freedom. That's module three. And hopefully it's starting to make sense to you, this relationship between low self-esteem that, that triggers you into dieting. That is the trigger for most of you restricting your eating, feeling low about yourselves, 
having low self-esteem and feeling like a diet is going to solve your problem. You then go on the diet and that creates that food restriction that your ancient brain is thinking is a famine, is thinking is a risk to your survival. So then when you have some highly palatable foods and in particular highly palatable foods containing sugar, that triggers the binge and that triggers the eating addiction and then that cycle is going. More low self-esteem, more calorie restriction, more binge eating when you eventually eat highly palatable foods and so the cycle continues. So give yourselves a year or two from now to break that cycle. I know this is a 30-day mission but this is the beginning of the journey and if you really want to have food freedom and have control of your eating and your weight, you have to give yourself a year or two to break that cycle.